Hi, I'm Cynthia Vaca Davis. I wrote a book called Intersection, and that's with an X. It's a memoir in two voices, mine and my intersex friend, Danny's. It's about a journey we went on that ended with both of us learning a lot about how to be our truest selves. In this limited edition podcast, I'm going to share conversations with special guests where we connect around central themes of community, authenticity, allyship, and supporting the LGBTQI community. If you want to connect or learn more, I can be reached at my website, CynthiaVacaDavis.com. Two C's in the Vaca. Thanks for being part of my community. Now let's get started. This episode is about what it means to be intersex and how I, a heterosexual, happily married suburban mother, came to write a first-person narrative about growing up intersex in a conservative Christian home. Our guest today is Danny, the protagonist in part one of my recently released narrative nonfiction book, Intersection, a story of faith, identity, and authenticity, published by Lake Drive Books. Danny was born a visibly female child, the youngest in a conservative evangelical family. Confused that no one could see the boy he was inside, Danny relied on prayer and magical thinking, hoping one day everyone would see him for who he is, a male. When Danny was 12, his prayers seemed to be answered when he started to develop male sex organs. His euphoria was tempered when, weeks later, he began to experience female puberty as well. Danny knew that playing the role of dutiful daughter was safer than jeopardizing faith and family with a norm-defying body that seemed an affront to both. It's a secret he kept for almost 30 years until his life depended on one thing, the truth. Enter me, Cynthia. Danny was a casual friend until the night we met at a sandwich shop and I learned that he wasn't the female I thought he was, but a man in need of a support team. That's the day we both began a journey toward authenticity. Here's the story of how our unlikely friendship led to decisions that changed both our lives forever and became the dual narrative book I wrote in both of our voices. Hello there. Hello. (laughs) So, um, Danny, welcome to our podcast and um thank you so much i'm so excited that you are able to spend this time with us um and uh letting people get to know you a little bit get to know us and our dynamic a little bit and i'm just so appreciative that you are here with us today my pleasure so um it's a little weird for me because the voice that I am hearing right now um is the usual voice I hear when we talk um and I thought we might take a moment to just uh to address that a little bit because uh one of the subtexts in um in our book is around authenticity and here we are we've probably spent the last like 40 minutes playing around with a voice changer so <laughs> um uh, I love what you told me last week about our decision to do that. I was wondering if you might share that. Sure. Yeah. Be glad to. Um, so I think in thinking about being authentic, uh, I am, I am being authentic yet at the same time, I also want to feel safe. And, um, one of the things that I guess to kind of compare this to is, uh, people who are have been abused or people who are in hiding um, from something or someone um, and want to or are testifying and want to remain anonymous 
they you know do the blurbs on their faces or the blackouts right. and and they do voice changing as well it's not that their story isn't authentic it's that um they want to protect themselves and i do have some fear and i think uh people in the uh, others in the community um may can can identify with me in that in yeah that, in that nature so i'd like to stay as stealth as possible yeah um, and that's and, fair and and to my, my friends and family those who who know me are do know my authentic self and and i am free to to live the way that i live to them um if that makes sense it makes a lot of sense and i think what you're saying you know is, is sometimes it is the rawest most personal stories where people do choose. Um, I'm thinking of an event we have at our university where um, we talk very openly about sexual assault and some of the victims on campus will talk to the community, um, but they're behind a screen and they tell just genuine, raw, open stories where they're very vulnerable. But I think that like one step removed, whether it's a screen or in your case, you know, scrambling your voice a little bit, it just um, gives that space um, to allow you to feel more comfortable and to allow you to feel more more free to share. So exactly, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think yeah. also maybe even feeling more uh, free to to share deeper because uh, I know that I'm I feel safe in this environment. Yeah, excellent. I'm glad you feel safe, and I'm hoping we could just have a. Um, just a kind of light chat, <laughs> light chat about some heavy topics. <laughs> right, right. No problem. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> so um, this episode is going to be our first episode. And I um, talked a little bit in the intro, just a nutshell about what our book's about, um, the kind of blurb that's been going around. And um, it's been going around. It's on the back of the book and that <laughs> people may have seen. Um, so people who are tuning in have, have kind of heard the basics of, uh, of, of our story, but um, I thought maybe we could share a little bit about how we came to be friends and how um, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your version of this because um, I've spent yeah. years like crafting my version of it, but I'd love to hear your <laughs> version of, of how we met and how we came to this place and, and this place being, you know, launching this book with both of our stories. Yes. Yeah. No problem. Uh, so I first met you guys, the Davises at, mm -hmm. at church and um, really became closer to your son, Brandon, through music and things like that. Mm -hmm. And but I think when I first got to know you was through the art show. The art show. Um, we had an art show. We did. <laughs> and, it was epic. Um, it was epic. And your daughter Allison is when I got to know Allison better too. She did all the, the baking and cooking for it. And we got to share in our allergy issues that we had <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so that was, uh, we bonded over that. And then uh, got to meet you and, and get to know you a little better. Um, which then led to, you know, wanting to hang out with you guys as well. Um, you were closer at the time to my partner at the time. Mm -hmm. And we got to spend some time, especially getting to know you over games. Over games. Because um, I have a love of board games <laughs> like you. You well, do. Man. You do. And I mean, <laughs> that was one of my first memories of you yeah. is playing board games. And I Same. remember... Yeah. 
I remember, and yeah, I was friends with your ex-partner first. And I remember a night going over to your house and we had dinner and you cooked these wonderful portobello mushrooms for me because we are, we are a community of terrible dietary issues. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. So true. So true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have so many different allergies, aversions, preferences. Right. And <laughs> so <laughs> you made me these special <laughs> mushrooms and everybody else is eating steak. And, um, <laughs> and I remember just being so um, just touched that you took the time to, to make me something special that nobody else was eating at the, <laughs> at the event. And then um, <laughs> you were so excited about board games and that just felt really yes. familiar to me because in my family, that's um, whenever we have a big holiday um, and families around board games are a big part of it. And just the glee right. that you had in choosing the game that we'd play that night. It was, uh, it was just really fun. I'm like, okay, I think, I think we're going to be friends now, not just, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, your partner at the time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty, it, that tracks with what I remember. I think our memories are pretty <laughs> the same on that, but now when, when things got, kind of real and, and deep with us. Because so, at that moment, I mean, I thought you were female when we're doing right. all this, when we're playing the games and you're making the mushrooms. Um, I thought, you know, you and your partner were, were both females. And, and then uh, we found later that that wasn't the case. <laughs> right. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. surprise. <laughs> what do you remember about the night that, that, we actually had that first talk. So I had been working with a, a life coach at, at to, with the purpose of hopefully, you know, becoming, living my true self out. So letting people know that I'm intersex and that I'm going to make the physical outward appearance of myself appear more male um, than as I was at the time presenting as female. So um my first step was to tell some people that I haven't told before. And I was, you know, nerve, very nervous trying to figure out, well, I don't know who to do this. Um, right. And so she said, you know what, I've got, I've got some friends. Let me just text them real quick and see what they're doing. And um, she texted, ended up texting you and Brad. And mm -hmm. she's like, you've met them, right? And I said, yes, I know them. She's like, do you feel like they're safe? And I said, I think they're safe. I feel like they're safe. She's like, okay. So let me text them. And she texted you guys and you guys were just wrapping up dinner and said, you'd be over. We were meeting at a Panera. Yep. Said, You'll be right over. Yep. And um, so I remember I, you know, I had been practicing this speech to tell people when I'm coming out, I guess, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and uh, so I delivered the speech to you guys and was met with that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You had a script. I remember you in the I script. Did. <laughs> it, was, it was epic. And like every time you did, you went, ran through your scripts. I was with you after that numerous occasions, mm -hmm. watching you like perfect the script. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I think that that was, was a useful tool because how terrifying, how terrifying yeah. to have to share that truth with somebody you don't really know that well. And right. I think sometimes we forget that because we're such great friends today, but at that moment, so you know, true. it was a risk. It was, it, you know, it these was. are people that I know from church and, you know, I'm 
and that can go either way <laughs> that could go either way exactly you know but i'm trusting that my you know my um my life coach knew you guys more mm-hmm. and knew you better at that time and right and i found yeah I put a lot of trust in her that she knows that these people are not gonna <laughs> do something wild and and you know sell me out or or you know shut me down or or even worse you know so yeah and she really did um have a really a strong inside track on that because there had been a lot of conversation around you that that summer because you were it seemed to us that you that something was going on i knew you were unhappy um yeah. Even though, you know, we talk about this, that fun night, you know, when you're, you're cooking and we're playing board games and I would see you with the youth group and you're having a good time. I remember you having this um, messy night and getting muddy and, you know, just, I knew you had this amazing potential to, to have fun and you were playing the drums in church and, and just watching you just doing some really cool, fun things. But that summer, it was very apparent that something was off in something that wasn't quite right. So there was a lot of people just surmising, you know, what's going on with Danny and is Danny okay? And, um, you know, people um, at the time just wondering what it was going to be, you know, when, when and if you kind of you know, shared what was going on there. So I think, you know, and the theories had been passed around. So I knew I, I know that she knew that, that it was going to be fine because right. yes. <laughs> we were prepared for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you shared that night, you know, and I remember sitting in that Panera for a long time. And, yeah. and at that point, that was really the first I'd ever heard the word intersex. Um, I didn't know that word before then um i think a lot more people maybe know it today because what that was what 2015 maybe um 2014 2014 uh yeah yeah it was 2014 so it was it was less commonly um talked about than it even is today and even today a lot of people don't know a lot about intersex true so it was a new word for me you you said if you've heard about if you've heard the word hermaphrodite which we don't use that word anymore it's archaic but that's what helped me understand like oh okay i get that right um so i was learning things as you were talking and i remember you being nervous and i remember you being honest and i remember the biggest thing i remember is you asking if we would support you on your journey. Right. And you saying, you know, this could go a lot of different ways for me. You had a lot of fears. (laughs) Um, There was a chance you could lose everything. Yes. And you were kind of building a support team from scratch. And you wanted to know that there were safe people that were going to be there. And that for me, I didn't realize it at the time because that was kind of my jam. I had, I had already been on my own journey of, um, as a youth leader, having several of my students end up being, being gay. And I botched it in the beginning. Cause it's the nineties. We don't know anything. We know nothing. Um, 
but because I <laughs> took a step back one day and I'm saying, hey, I'm a youth leader and a solid fourth of my youth group has now come out as gay. And I've got to do better. I've got to have better answers. I've got to, I've got to go out and seek them out because no one is offering them to me. Um, there was uh, a resource book, uh, Josh McDowell's handbook on counseling youth is, you know, was on my, on my <laughs> shelf. In there with that, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the only thing they had to say was, uh, well, you know, if it's a, a male, they probably had a troubled relationship with their fathers and there's something wrong. And I was even in a psychology program at that point in the 90s. And we weren't even talking about these issues in my secular university. Um, right. Taboo. I had nothing. I had no tools right. other than growing up in church. You would hear, oh, oof, sin. That's sin. <laughs> um, being gay is sin. Anything on right. that spectrum is sin. And that's the only so-called truth that had been told to me that it was very, very dangerous to affirm someone that right. was gay because you don't want them to go to hell. But at the same time, something started to seem very, very wrong to me. Yes. Um, and this is years before Love that the year. Sinner. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin. And that wasn't <laughs> cutting it. That was not right. cutting it in my quarter gay youth group. So I had been on my own journey trying to figure out, um, I got to do better. We all have to do better. And I yes. was just roughing it in the dark corners of the internet, trying to learn what I needed to learn to do better. And fortunately, by the time we met, I was, I was <laughs> up to speed a little more I'm like, okay, yeah. All right. You need a support team. We're going to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. We're good. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of how things started, but in your recollections, how did we end up writing about this? From my recollections. Um, your recollections. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, coming over sometime. I'm not sure what the what it was about, but uh, hanging at your house. And I remember drinking a cider. Yeah. Oh, um, there was a lot of cider. There was a lot There's of cider. still a lot of cider. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of cider to be had. Um, <laughs> that was before we had the cidery that went up down the road from yes. the house. So we had to buy our own cider and have yep. it in the fridge. Now we just go to the cidery. Exactly. Much better. Much, <laughs> Much better. better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember you asking me, you said you were, um, you were pursuing your MFA. Mm -hmm. And you had to um, pick a topic or something to write about. And mm -hmm. you, were, you were considering writing something about your story and my story together um, in, as, a, as an idea for your, for your book. That's how it ended up. The manuscript um, or, yeah. Yeah, that's how it ended up. It, in my recollection, it was first just me wait was that it is that what you're gonna say um yeah sort of like actually at that point I was um I had had I was struggling a little bit in my MFA program because there was a unpleasant instructor um who only liked dark and sad stories and I was going 
I had started my MFA thinking it was going to be a humor writer and I wanted to be, you know, the next, um, oh, I don't know, something in the vein of Nora Ephron or Sloan Crossley, you know, just kind of like witty, funny essays. That was my jam. And I had this really dark, morose um, instructor who ended up, um, um, he's been canceled over other indiscretions that were going on. Oh, um, oh yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you about that. <laughs> Wait, I think so. I think I remember the, the debacle. Yes, yes. It was yes. a debacle, but <laughs> I was struggling. And so I was literally, I wish I were kidding, but um, we owned a piece of land um, out in the country. And I was thinking about building a, a building my own shack on the property and trying to have a survival <laughs> story. <laughs> kind of like Walden because I'm just, <laughs> it, it was I didn't know what to do. And I figured that would be sad, you know, me out there trying to build a shelter and, and trying to survive. And I thought I would have insights. And um, if Wow, I didn't know that was your, your plan. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I just like, I have nothing because the, the humor stuff, I mean, this guy wasn't having anything funny. So then I'm just thinking, what am I going to write about? And right. then it was, um, and I don't want to give too much away because this was a, a pivotal moment that we, that in, in the books, so, but we, it was, you had had a, uh, a milestone in talking with your family is what it is, what it was. And you came back and a comment was made like, oh, you couldn't write this stuff. You, nobody could make this stuff up. Nobody could write this story. And then Brad said, oh, my wife could. And I kind of like smacked him because I'm just like, this isn't my story. I'm going to go live in the woods and try to do a survival. I can't take okay. someone else's story. And I felt weird about it, even though like, ooh, you know, I'm a writer. Of course, I'm insanely interested. And of course, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, it is a great story, but it's not my story. Um, but then to my shock, what I remember is you go, yeah, write about it. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll write about intersex. Intersex is something nobody knows about. I'm going to write about intersex. And then you were just like, no, right. You know, we'll, uh, you were really open. You're like, oh yeah, we'll work together on this. If people should know, um, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell my story to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. It didn't become our story until the next week. Because do you remember what was happening professionally to me? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. I do remember uh, it being first just you telling my story and then um, then the events of your life turned into a great way to intersect both of our Intersect, stories. right. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, I would write about the parts of your story you were comfortable telling. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll interview other people or I'll do some research. And that's kind of what I'm thinking initially. And then... Um, I went, went to work one day at this time. Oh, I'm a, I'm an adjunct at this point. I am um, kind of like the itinerant workers of academia. I'm circling. Um, I'm on a circuit of three universities at this point. I have one university where I'm working on my MFA. I'm teaching at another university where I'd been for a couple of years. And then I'm going to this Christian school that is about an hour away from my house. And I'm teaching there. And I'm thinking it was a lot, you know, I'm, I'm, hundreds of miles on this, you know, through two states and 
um, two ridge tunnels and I'm, I'm commuting all the time, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind, something good's going to come of this. Something good will happen. Um, you know, somebody will notice my good work and, and things will happen. And, you know, it's one of those things you tell yourself, but then it did like it's mid semester. It is, um, it's like late October average semester and the Christian school that's an hour away, um, sent me an email one day. I'm like, we need to talk because, uh, there's, there's an urgent opening. This doesn't just happen. Um, but this, we need a tenure track. We need to fill a tenure track position in English and you're kind of up, you know, you're the only one we have that's here in place, qualified kind of, sort of, cause I hadn't even had my MFA yet, but you know, this was like, I'm a wibbly wobbly Christian Getting school. There, yeah. So I'm like, Oh, uh, I was stunned. And there, they were, I, I thought it was like, Oh, they can't be serious. And then it turned out they were serious and I was brought in for interviews and, you know, just, they were supposed to be formalities and there was uh, paperwork um, being drawn up and it was kind of the day that it was all going to happen. And um, they said, well, you know, uh, by the way, there's one more thing we would like you to look at that you're going to need to sign. And it was called a marriage and family statement. And <laughs> oh, the marriage and family statement was sort of a response to Virginia, where we live, um, had legalized gay marriage. And this is before it was federal. And the neighboring state, North Carolina, where the other school was, they said they needed to have a response to that. They, would, they were afraid that donors would start to worry, you know, uh, what if, what if, whoa, what if the scourge of gay marriage is legalized in our state? Yay. So they drew up some, uh, some strongly worded uh, uh, verbiage that basically said that um, if you were not a heterosexual, cisgender, vanilla person, you were repugnant and offensive to God and the principles of the university. And that was part of my contract that I was going to have to sign. And, <laughs> and I had just days before told you, I'm going to be on your support team, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Now there's a conflict. <laughs> now there's a conflict. You know, my my whole something big is going to happen, like something way bigger that I could have imagined. You know, tenure track jobs are they're rare. They are, and they don't come in the middle of a semester to someone who is still working on an MFA. That does not happen. Right. That's something you were looking for. And yeah, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's the dream come true. And now I'm faced with like this moment of truth. Who am I? Who am I as a person? I call myself an ally. It looks like it's going to cost me something to be an ally now. Were you, how aware were you at that point of what was going on? I was aware uh, because you were, you were kind of updating me on what was happening each day what your thoughts were yeah because we're, um, we're pretty tight at this point we yes. were talking all the yeah. time now yes yeah because i was meeting with you at least a couple times a week i think um well, there was to cider you. to be had there was cider to be had <laughs> <laughs> games to play and discussions to, to talk through yes yes <laughs> <laughs> 
So at that point, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things that kind of evolved over time where I was realizing that now, um, well, now the, uh, the dark and stormy um, faculty over at the MFA program, they were kind of liking that I was into some sort of <laughs> um, writing about some darker, um, more concerning social issues. So they're, they're loving it at this point. And, and then um, what one of the uh, professors, not the, the one that I was most in conflict with, but he said, uh, he said, now you have some skin in the game. Now you have skin mm. in the game. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I do. I have skin in the game now. Yeah. I think that that is the first moment where I felt like, I felt kind of weird writing about intersex when I wasn't in the community. Um, mm. But I felt like you were okay with me. You were telling, you were encouraging me. No, people need to know about this. And like, okay, yeah, people do need to know about it. But I still... I think until I was caught in the crossfire of this, I think I felt like I didn't have, I guess I didn't have the skin in the game and, I, and it, was, it was weird. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So now something bad is happening to me. <laughs> yeah. um, but if I'm going to be an actual ally, I have to now... I, I, there's, there's a cost to it. And I don't think I ever realized the, the concept of, of there being a cost to allyship. Yeah. yeah Cause you're definitely going to expose your truth, which is going to conflict with their truth. And it's not going to be accepted. Oh no, <laughs> just not. <laughs> not. And, and I think then, you know, because spoiler alert, I did, I did walk away from the university. There were a lot of very fun conversations and lots of drama, um, but I didn't work there anymore. That was, I think the beginning of kind of walking alongside you sort of you were become you were changing like on a weekly basis you were <laughs> stepping yeah. into the person you were always thinking that that you hope to be one day and suddenly right. it's happening yes and i'm seeing you kind of blossom as you become more and more and more yourself and i'm realizing you know i didn't just give up this doesn't ever happen job for nothing. I, I give that up so I could have a voice. I can be myself. In Christianity, in the places that I had worked, there were Christian institutions, churches. You know, I was a youth minister. I taught at a Christian school. There was always something. There were always these long codes of ethics, you know, like, we don't do these things here. <laughs> it's always right. like, <laughs> okay, so if I'm going to work at this school, I can't drink anything. There, there can be no cider if I'm going to drink right. here, or if I'm going to drink, you know, if I'm going to work here, there's no cider. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're all, the rules were always arbitrary, and they would change from one institution to the next, and right. it was always like, okay, am I willing to give up the things that I would have to give up to be acceptable to work in this environment. And then right. I realized that's kind of dumb. Uh, I want to just find out what I really truly believe and then just be cons a consistent person in every arena because that's what you were doing. Right. Yeah. 
but we kind of learned how to do it as we went. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> that perfect. <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary when you first do it, and um, it seems to, the more you do it, the less scary it is, and and the more confidence you build, and just knowing what you're saying and what you're doing is right, and being able to build bridges and know, too, that there are Christian communities out there that do accept and do not agree with <laughs> with a lot of the um, beliefs that people have towards the community, uh, with the LGBTQIA community. Um, but there are there are churches, there are um, there are communities that do accept, mm -hmm. and um, and which is important to know. But uh, but it's very hard to find. <laughs> very hard to find. Unfortunately, very hard to find those allies within within churches within pastors or priests or and when you find them it's 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 a rare gem yeah and you were so generous so generous with your story and sharing your story with me and trusting me with your story it was something that i've always taken super seriously that you were trusting me with this story and why i guess i want to know why you why you opened up like that and why you wanted your story to be told i think the big reason is you know i want people to know they're not alone uh, for so long so for so much of my life i felt like i was alone and that this is how i had to live because of what i believed or my family believed or my church believed that i couldn't be myself there's just some unnecessary pain and i feel like my story, which I feel honored that you've taken and, and, and written, but I feel like my story is, is, I don't know, it feels weird to have your story told, but I think there are other stories out there that are, <clears throat> unfortunately, people have had worse experiences and more traumatic things happen to them. And I want them to know that they're not alone and that they can find that strength and they can find a community where they are accepted, where they are loved. And that's important. That's something that I feel like um, during my 2014 and my transition to tell people who I really am and, and live my life um, as I know who I am and want to, to show everybody who I am. I, that's one thing that um, I felt like God was, was saying to me a lot was, was that I am, I am wonderfully made. I am, I am accepted. I am who he made me to be. I don't understand it to this day. I still don't understand it. What I would love to wake up tomorrow and be, unfortunately, I would love to wake up tomorrow and be a cis white male, <laughs> but, but it's not going to happen. Right. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, but, but that's, but this is who he's chosen me to be. And right. I want to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I want others to know that they can find healing, that they can find community, and that they're not alone. There's such power in stories. And yes. I think that you you know that. You know the power of a story. I know the power of a story. I, stories are my favorite thing, my absolute right. favorite thing. They just <laughs> take something that can seem dry or clinical or rare or, oh, no, but that doesn't happen to anybody. And 
suddenly you put a face on it and then you care about whatever that thing was. Yes. Yeah. And it, it has been an honor to kind of carry your story. Although I will say a lot of people have asked me, why, why are you telling his story? And I got, I ain't a writer. <laughs> I said, That's why, well, Danny, he didn't really want to write a story. <laughs> he wanted it told, but he didn't want to write it. <laughs> and I think the biggest challenge for me was um, my editor wanted, I started writing your story in third person and my editor said no you need to write it in first person and I was like oh no the book's over I can't do that no and then I <laughs> told you then you were like I don't care write it in first person <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and not a lot changed after that it seemed to, I think then when I kind of what clicked for me was oh I'm kind of ghostwriting it and and yeah. you would tell me your story and I would try to just put it into words like I'm you and then it, it kind of became fun but scary and challenging. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think it, I, so many people say, oh, it's so much better this way. And people do tend to ask fewer questions. So <laughs> I don't know. They do. Yes, they do. People ask weird questions. <laughs> I do want to say uh, that's something that I appreciate about your writing too is, and, and you can attest to this, you write, I, I want to compliment you on the fact that you, the way you write is very revealing, very descriptive in a way that I feel like I am telling my story. You do a great job of painting those pictures of those scenes that I've replayed in my mind over and over again. And that uh, this is what you can attest to is I've, I've told you sometimes I can't, I can't read the book right now to give you my opinion because it's a lot for me right now. <laughs> yeah, I've had to do that. I've had to say, I can't, I can't, you know, you'll send me something to look over and make sure it's right. And I'm like, I can't do it at this time. Yeah. And you've always been super honest about that. And other times you're like, yeah, I'm okay with it now. And yeah. <laughs> and then other days, no, I, I don't want to revisit that. And <laughs> <laughs> you do such a good job of, of, of bringing those to life um, that, I, yeah, sometimes I've wanted to hide from those because I don't want to relive them. But um, you've done a, a great job of that. So. And it's been this, thank you. It's It's been a tightrope because I never want to do anything like, oh, I don't want to take you back to this place that's maybe dark or scary or something. And, right, right. but at the same time, you're saying it's like, it's like I'm reliving it. And that also confirmed, well, at least I'm getting it right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing this movie that's playing in my mind as you're talking, I'm trying to faithfully recreate what I'm seeing. And I'm thinking, is this going to match at all? Yeah, no, and I appreciate I appreciate the the care that you've put into it because it, it does reflect I think in your writing to to be able to put this story out to put our stories out in a way that is clear to people and and I think you've written it in a way that just speaks to people and I appreciate that and I feel I like I could it. I could trust I trust yeah. you as a, my friend but also just uh, trust you with my story and 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 sharing it with the world. So, and I appreciate what you did and your generous gift of this story to the world. Thank you. Thank you. So much happens at intersections, meetups, near misses, collisions. Intersections are common points, places of impact, spaces where we find ourselves often through no fault of our own. 
This intersection, with an X, is intended to be a space where people and ideas come together, where stories are told and perspectives shift. I'm so glad you spent this time navigating this intersection with me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Please connect with me at my website, CynthiaVacaDavis.com.